You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. This morning, uh, I've set myself um, quite a challenge. So you're going to have to work with me to achieve the challenge. Can you do that? Okay, great. That's good. That's good. We're starting on a good foot. That's great. The challenge is to cover three things in one message. Might be a bit tricky. First thing, we obviously want to say Happy Father's Day and we want a Father's Day type message, don't we? It's a good plan? Yeah. yeah, okay, good. Thank you, guys. We're doing well. It's a Father's Day type message. So that's the first thing we're going to try and do. The other thing is, I want to convey something of our, our, our Heavenly Father and Father's heart. Because that, we can't talk about Father's Day without talking about the best father ever, can we? Really. So I want to do that as well. And then the third thing is that, um, We're trying to tie it in with Proverbs and the whole concept of Proverbs as well. So we're going to bring three things, three threads together. So let's see, at the end, you're totally uh, um, at liberty to judge to see whether I've been able to do that. However, only do that if you've stayed with me all the way through. Okay? Okay, so with that in mind, as Marco said, happy Father's Day to those who are fathers here. For those, some of us, it may be a difficult day. Maybe we don't have a dad. Maybe our dad wasn't all he should have been to us. Um, maybe your dad's passed away. Uh, you know, my story, my father passed away when I was 13. So um, through growing up and through, through the last 40 plus years, I've not had that father figure available to me. So I know that perhaps this is a sensitive topic, but father, our heavenly father, does want to heal every aspect of our hearts and our emotions, and that includes if we've had that bad experience with our own dad. So don't turn off because I'm talking about fathers today. Is that okay? Great. So fathers, dads, haha. If it's dads, then we've got the opportunity to talk about dad jokes. We've got the groan already. That's good. We're doing well. We're doing well. So, a few dad jokes that I like. I I must admit, I do have a little bit of a reputation here. My boys now are starting to come up with jokes and saying, ha, that's a dad joke, isn't it? My boys, 21 and 25, they're men. Okay, my men that uh, Ruth and I have have got as sons. So, dad jokes. Here we go. See if you can get these. Why couldn't the bicycle stand up by itself? Because it was too tired. Brilliant. It's good. It's good. Those of you that English isn't your first language, you might not get all of these jokes. But okay. Um, (laughs) There is that as well. Okay. Okay. Here's another one. Here's another one. Uh, And guys, might be one you get. Uh, Dad, can you put my shoes on? Yeah. No, I don't think they'll fit me. Yes, of course. Okay. Okay. Um, Why can't a nose be 12 inches? Because that would make it a foot. Okay, I've got two more. Do you want a couple more? Okay, okay, we're doing well here. We're doing well. Uh, we've got a graveyard outside. Okay, here's one. The graveyard looks overcrowded. People must be dying to get in. Okay, perhaps that's not such a good one. Um, <laughs> okay, we've got somebody who's a bit slow. <laughs> that's okay, that's okay. <laughs> Done. Dad, can you put the cat out? I didn't even know it was on fire. 
Okay, okay, okay. Let's move on very, very rapidly after that. Um, some of the, one of the, one, I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but a number of the songs we sang this morning was about our heart and about our life. And I want to talk about our heart and our life. Uh, that wasn't deliberate. That's just the way it is. One of them said, open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you, Father, are and fill me with your heart. And then a bit further on. Uh, it talked about giving our lives to his love. So this Father's Day, that's the sort of thing I want to talk about. That's how I want to get into it. So before we move on, let's have a quick pray and I'll get then into the message. Okay, so let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are a good God. Oh, wow. Father, you're the best father, the best ever. Lord, we thank you that you created each one of us and made us just as you wanted us to be. Lord, you love us with an everlasting love. Your favour is over us. Your mercy is towards us. Your grace abounds for each one of us. Lord, we thank you for that love that comes from your heart. And this morning, this morning, as we just sit and listen to maybe what you have to say to each one of us, we ask, Lord, that our hearts will be open, that our ears will be attentive, that we'll hear your words in our spirits that we will intertwine our hearts with your heart and that we will go from today wanting to see you more and more the foundation of our lives and our relationship with you and our identity in you being the thing that we live out of every day. Amen. Amen. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning is, is Father, identity, sonship. Sonship being the technical term Son and daughtership, we might say these days, but historically sonship, because the son was given extra authority. And in the same way, we're given a special authority from God, each one of us, if we're believers. Anyway, we're going to start. Apparently, the, the uh, overheads aren't overheads. Quite dates me. Um, the PowerPoints aren't working properly too much at the moment. So we're going to be reading to start with from Proverbs 4, starting at verse 1. So if you've got Bibles or, or apps on your phones, if you're going to use your phones, wonderful. Please don't open anything else but the Bible app. When the notifications come up, try and ignore them. We're reading the Bible, not Facebook. Okay? So, Proverbs 4. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Ah, that's a good one for Father's Day. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, for I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he, my father, taught me, and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. That's going to be the foundational text we're going to talk from, and I'm also going to go back to Proverbs 3 as well a little bit a bit later. But let me first share with you something of uh, Ruth and my journey. Um, over the last, some of you will know, some of you may not, but over the last seven years, eight years or so, Ruth and I have been on a journey to really explore, understand, and discover Father as our Father 
and his father heart towards us and what that makes us as his children. Rather than a God who is remote perhaps, who sets us principles and rules that we try and attempt to achieve so that we can get on his good side. And I don't know whether you've experienced it, but I've experienced it, that with our own earthly fathers, sometimes that's the way things are. We try and please our dads. Um, so, my, I've told you a little bit about my story. My, my dad, yeah, for 13 years he was around. Great. Dad was, um, dad was a, um, dad was not, uh, um, a poor father in any way. He was a very good father in many ways. He provided for the family. That was his real big intention in life. Um, he was a strong man. He uh, um, was an engineer. He made, he actually made safes. You know, the big safes that you'd have in, in, in a bank. He made safes. He worked for Chubbs, which is a, a famous Wolverhampton, just to get plugged in for the walls. Uh, Wolverhampton um, uh, industry is, is lock making and security and safe making. So he worked for them. He had a history of spending time. He, he uh, was in the Navy at the back end of the Second World War and for a couple of years after that. So he was a man's man in that sense as well. And I think perhaps because of that and because of the time that he came from and, and maybe today we would be less like this, but he, you, I would go to school, I would bring home a, a drawing I'd done or I'd done do something at home and show him or something I'd made and he would look at it and it wasn't that he didn't like it, it wasn't that he was being negative, it wasn't that he didn't want to say something good about it, but he found it really hard to say, oh, wow, that's really good. Oh, what a great, and you know, we do, don't we? Kids give us something and we just go, oh, isn't that amazing? And you think, what is it? You know, well, dad wasn't able to quite go that far. If he couldn't understand what it was, he, he sort of uh, allowed you to explain it. And then he said, well, maybe next time you could and gave you a, a tip or an idea as to how you could improve it, which isn't, this, this keeps creaking this side. I'm going to. Is that any better? Maybe. Okay. You get to see. <laughs> Maybe I stand back here. Uh, but anyway, never mind. Um, but you get my point. And so that meant that, that yeah, I, I started to want to gain his favor. To get him to say, yes, that's great. This is good. That's a great job. Well done. He never said, that's a great job. He'd say, that's nice. But by that, he meant it was a well done professional job because that was his thinking. Well, you can imagine how maybe that impacted my relationship with my Heavenly Father. Because then I start thinking, what do I need to do to gain his favour, to gain his attention, and for him to think good about me? Do I need to do good things? I don't know. Has anybody else ever had that? Okay, well, a, few, a few folks, I didn't really mean to put names, hands up, but you know, others must have had that sort of experience. So Ruth and I have been exploring this for many years. Are we there? No. We need to understand our Father's heart more. Are we close enough to him? No, of course not. Do we have a relationship with him? Yes, absolutely. Do we have the relationship we'd love to have with him? No. But we're on the journey. And one of the things we've discovered recently, we've just recently discovered uh, a book that I just want to quickly share with you. Uh, it's a book by a guy called James Jordan from New Zealand. Um, it doesn't really matter too much about it. The key thing is what he teaches. And one of his key elements of teaching, taking you back to the Garden of Eden, is the idea of the knowledge of the tree that comes from the knowledge of good and evil, on this side, over here, and the tree of life. If you don't know, it's in Genesis. If you read in Genesis, there are two trees in the, 
in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we therefore have knowledge from that. And we know what is good and we know what is evil. And we live out of that. We live wanting to do good, not to do evil. We live judging evil and judging what is good. That's how we live. And yet, that was not the tree we should be living out of. We should be living out of the tree of life. Because the tree of life is that relationship that we have with our Father God, with our Daddy. And it's out of that relationship with Him that we want to do what is good. It's out of that relation and love that we have with Him that we love other people and do what we know is good. It's not because of the rules and the principles and the practices and the law over in this tree that we operate. It should be because of the living from the tree of life we operate. That might not make much sense right now, but let me try and unpack that a bit. Let me get into these Proverbs. Um, Marco gave me an extra few minutes, which I was really pleased about. So we're going to uh, do that. And as I say, at the end of it all, please tell me, did I succeed or not? Because you've listened all the way through. Okay? Good. So one of the things that we could say um, about this, we're looking at Proverbs. So Proverbs. Is Proverbs... We think of the book of Proverbs as a set of principles for life, don't we? They're principles for life. They're rules to live by. We read the book of Proverbs and we often see it that way. Uh, Do this and you'll live a moral life. Do that and you will benefit your neighbour and society around you. Do the other and you will please God. That's how we see it. And to some extent, that's true. However, I would like to suggest we should read the book of Proverbs from a different viewpoint. Basically, yes, it's a set of teaching from a father to his child, but it's a set of teaching from, as we know, probably King Solomon or someone of, of, of his court. Let's say it's King Solomon because we know some of those Proverbs are his. And Solomon, whose dad was Solomon's dad? David. David was his dad. And Solomon, at one point, in this bit we read in Proverbs 4, it says, listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. But then he goes on and says, for I too was a son to my father. So the instruction he's bringing is the instruction he's bringing not just from himself and his own wisdom, but from his dad, David, and his wisdom. So you've got grandfather, father, son, or children. Okay, that's where we're going with this. That's the flow that you've got through it. So most of uh, Proverbs, as I say, was written by Solomon. His dad was David. David, his father was a man after God's own heart. God himself said that of David. Wow, that's quite something. Solomon asked God for what? Wisdom. Wisdom. And God granted him wisdom. In fact, more than that, God actually appeared to Solomon twice. Do we know the two times God appeared to Solomon? One was at night and he gave him wisdom. What was the other time? Hey, there you go. After he dedicated the temple... And God came and said, yes, if people pray in this place, I will answer their prayers. That's the relationship that Solomon had with God. Solomon wanted to impart that, both of those things, the idea of a heart after God and wisdom that does what God calls him to do to his son, to his children. This is his motivation. So I would like to suggest that Proverbs is not so much a set of principles, but is the result of revelation. Hmm, what do you mean, Robin? Yeah, I know, it's a bit of an unusual one, isn't it? 
But here, this is what I mean. In some parts of the Bible, we've got things, or some parts of the Proverbs, we've got, such as, for instance, Proverbs 10.5 says, He who gathers crops in harvest is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. So we read that and we say that the person during harvest time who goes out there and doesn't bring in the harvest, then the result is they are a prudent son. The one who does the opposite is a disgraceful son. Well, that's one way of reading it. But I think we should be reading it the other way around because I don't believe that what we do makes who we are. I believe who we are makes what we do. So, I think we should be understanding this to say, he who gathers crops in harvest does so because he is a prudent son. He who sleeps during harvest does so because they are a disgraceful son. The character that you and I have that comes from where? From our father himself. We should do. That is what should outwork in our lives. It's not us doing something that gives us a relationship with God. It's our relationship with God that causes us to do something. See what I mean? See the difference? Okay, great. Good, good. So we're getting the brain cells going this morning. This is a little bit more perhaps than a normal morning on a Sunday, but uh, hopefully you're with me still. So, where are we? Let me find my place. So the writer's saying, for instance, in uh, Proverbs 3, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will, feel, you will win favor and good name in the sight of God and man. This is who you are, the writer's saying. Live out of who you are, and this will be the outcome of how you live. We were reading earlier, weren't we, in, Roman, in, in Proverbs 4, listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. When I was a boy in my father's house, still tender and an only child to my mother, he taught me and said these things. And then, in, in, in I keep saying Romans, I don't know why, in Proverbs 3, I lost my place, I think I have. No, Proverbs 4, verse 3. Sorry, that's why. Proverbs 4, verse 3. I was a boy in my father's house. Okay. In other words, he's saying, I was a son to my father. I, I, I understood that my father was my father and that I was his son. In the, the, so I knew who I was. The Passion Translation says it this way. For I too was the delight of my father. In other words, he knew that he was the person, the one that, that, the, that David really delighted in and wanted to encourage. And our Heavenly Father delights over us in just the same way. In fact, he delights over us in the same way. Now get this. God the Father delights over us in just the same way as he delighted over Jesus. Because we're included in Jesus. 
That, to me, is amazing. Do you know how much the Father delighted in Jesus? Do you know when he did? Was it because of all the amazing things that Jesus had done? Do you think towards the end of his ministry, as Jesus goes to the cross, the Father says, well done, you did a great job, I delight in you, you are my precious son. Do you think he did it then? Somebody says, no, okay. At the beginning, really? Right at the beginning? Yeah, it was, right at the beginning. We've got in Matthew 3, just as as Jesus is about to start his ministry, before he's even started living out what God's called him to do, he goes and is baptised by John. John the Baptist. John the Baptist doesn't want to do it. But Jesus said, yes, you must. I must be baptised. I must go into water and come up again. I must be baptised. And and if there's anybody here this morning that's never been baptised, I'm sure there's going to be a baptismal service coming soon and something you really should do. It's an important part of who we are as Christians to go through that experience. For Jesus, he went through the water, he was baptised and was brought back up again. And as he came up, the Holy Spirit, like a dove, came down upon him. And the words that Jesus said, that the Father said were, anybody? This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Yes, indeed. This is my beloved Son. Or, as the, again, as the Passion Translation puts it, this is the Son I love. And you know, it says, it doesn't say that God said it, or Father said it. It says this, he says, it says here in the Passion Translation, keep losing my place. I'm really sorry, guys. Then the voice of the Father shouted from the sky, saying, this is the Son I love, and my greatest delight is in him. Before he started doing anything. Those of us that are dads have probably had the experience of holding our firstborn for the first time. I don't know if you have. But uh, um, if you're a dad, you'll you understand what I'm about to say. When you hold them for the first time, when you see that tiny hand, when you see that little foot, and there's just that moment of delight and pleasure and bursting with pride that this is your son, this is your daughter. That's how God felt about Jesus. That's exactly how God feels about you and me. But so many of us still think from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and we still think that our dad needs us to do something to get onto his good side. We still think that we need to do something to get his attention. We still think that we need to be something before he allows us in. And yet God wants us to live from the tree of life whereby we can know him, have an experience of him, be loved by him and from that love live out a life that is worthy of him. So I'd encourage you today, let's stop and ask that question of ourselves. Do we know, do you know, do I know that God loves me with an everlasting love? And not just one that we say and parrot and sing, but do we know, do we know that God loves me, loves you with an everlasting love? Do you know that he loves you such a way that you are his delight. We think, oh no, that can't be true. God only, God, God delights in Jesus and that was his greatest delight. But here's the thing, because God is infinite, he can have a greatest delight many, many times. Which means each one of us are his greatest delight. 
That means everybody in this, on the planet and ever lived on the planet has been his greatest delight. Their response to him has been the issue, not his love for them. Or for you. Anyway, growing up we tried to please our dads perhaps, and maybe we've been doing that. I'll skip through a few bits here. He already loves you and delights in you. There's no reason for you to try and get his favour. His favour is already towards you. His grace is upon you. There's nothing that you need to do in that sense. It is that love and delight that David Solomon's dad had experienced. He was declared by God as a man after his own heart. And not just that, if we read Psalm 136, he says time and again, if you've ever read Psalm 136 and try to read it out loud, you get a bit bored as you're going through it because it keeps saying, his love endures forever. Because God's love is there towards him. And Solomon, in a similar way, he knows the same love and delight from God as we know he appeared to him twice. And it's from that love and delight, from that relationship with Father, that Solomon wrote the Proverbs. From observations of results of living out the life from the good tree rather from the bad tree. So, Ruth suggested we should ask ourselves a question. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy this morning? We know our dad is the best dad ever, our Heavenly Father. It's about knowing who you are and knowing who your dad is. I don't know, did, you, did any of you... Maybe not, because I'm from Wolverhampton, and I'm sure you're all from really nice places. Um, but in the playground at school, we perhaps would get a little bit of fisticuffs going on, or people would start... Um, uh, sort of, yeah, yeah, you can see where I'm going here. People perhaps would start with one another. And, uh, um, they were, often would then escalate quite quickly from the playground between two or three kids to being, ah, oh, do you know who my dad is? I'm going to get my dad to come down and my dad will fight your dad. And we'd escalate into those things. I know none of you do that because, no, or have done that in the past because you've come from nice homes and nice places. But I came from Wolverhampton and we did some of those things. And, you know, sometimes we go around and walk around in life and we allow other people to say, oh, do you know who I am and do you know who my dad is? Well, actually, guys, who's our dad? We need to operate in the authority that our dad has and is given to us, and we need to operate knowing that our dad is the dad who rules the entire world and made the whole universe. So, where are you living from? Where are you living from? Are you living from the tree of life, that heart-to-heart relationship with Father God, or are you living from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil with principles and rules? Principles and rules always seem like a good thing. Each of us loves principles. That's why. Well, because we ate, wait, Adam and Eve ate from the knowledge of good and evil. And so we love principles and rules. We love to live by a certain way, to be told what to do. And yet, we're to live from love, living out a life that actually fulfills what God would want us to do. I keep repeating it because it's really important. So what should we do about it? What should we do about it? Do you know, at the end of this, I want to try and bring some practical thoughts and some ideas. The first one, from Proverbs 4, 4 and 5, take hold of my words with all of your heart. Get wisdom, get understanding. So how do we do that? How do we get wisdom and how do we get understanding? Well, the first thing Obviously, we have to say, well, has God spoken? Has God ever spoken? And when we often ask that and say, has God spoken to you? People say, well, I've never heard an audible voice. Well, no, maybe not. But God has spoken. Because we've got his Bible. We've got the word of God with us every day. We can choose to read it or we can choose not to. So let's read the word. 
But again, as, as James Jordan says, he says, let's not read the word as an opportunity to use it as a manual, to give us some principles to live by. But let's read the word of God as it is, as the word of God, living and active. And let's read the word of God to encounter Father, to understand God better, to be close to him. Let's get into it in that way. Let's read the Bible for revelation, not for information. For understanding, not for knowledge. There's a difference. For wisdom, not for legalism. We need to take hold of his words by believing you are who God says you are and that he is who he says he is. It's really important. We need to take hold of the words and get wisdom and get understanding by being still in his presence. Folks, this is the one that is most difficult for me. This is the one that's most difficult for me. I'm really good at doing stuff. I'm really good at being busy. I'm all over the place in terms of work and what I do and where I go and the other things that I do. Um, I got back on Friday evening from another trip and celebrated the fact that I'm actually going to be in my own home for the next nine days. Because the last time that happened was back in March. Because I just love being busy. There's an issue with that. I need to be at peace more. I need to give more over to God. I need to be still in his presence. I know that. That's something I'm working on. We all need to work on that. Be still in his presence. And don't just sit there and be still, but sit there and be still and hear what God has to say. Um, you know, there's the whole concept. Some people talk about it as soaking in his presence. Some people talk about it as sitting in his presence or meditating in his presence. Uh, get some really good worship music, maybe some... Uh, maybe. So, let me share. Some of my favourites, Rivers and Robots. Love Rivers and Robots. If you've never heard of them, go and find them. There's one of their albums called Still. A brilliant album just to listen to, to still your heart and hear God speak to you. No words, just music. That particular album. Really good. Well worth doing. And then one we forget. Oh boy, do we forget this. Do we remember we're Pentecostals ever? Sometimes I think we forget. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. But we do. You know, we've been born again. We believe that Jesus is our saviour. Yes. We believe he's our sanctifier. Yes. But we also believe he's our baptizer. He baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. We should be full of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, he goes, you know, our saviour, a sanctifier, a baptizer, um, a healer and our soon and coming king. Those are the things that we talk about. And that's the truth of it. But, if we're baptised in the Holy Spirit, we should be speaking in tongues. And if we're not speaking in tongues, we need to get that because that's a gift God wants us to have. Why? Because it's his personal gift to you. And it's as we do that, as we speak in tongues, the Bible says that there's an opportunity. The technical term is there's a theophany. There's an opportunity for us to actually meet with God because he comes in and meets with us. His Holy Spirit wells up within us and we meet with him. We speak in another language. Our heart connects with his heart. And if we're about entwining our hearts together then we need to speak in tongues every day, and more and more and more as we see the day approaching. That's my view anyway. Okay, got that one off my chest. Take hold of my words with all of your heart. Secondly, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favour and a good name in the sight of God and man. Love the Lord, so three things from this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and your strength. Seems like a good idea. Somebody once said it. 
That's what Jesus said, wasn't it, in response to what should he do? How should he fulfill the commandments? Interesting. How should I fulfill the commandments? The things that I was told to do. You should do them by loving. It's from love. It's from who we are that we act out, not the other way around. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. We often forget that this one says, as yourself. It's three great commandments, not just two. We're to love ourselves as well as our neighbor. And we're to operate in faithfulness from the overflow of that Holy Spirit. He lives within us, and we operate from that overflow that's within us. Uh, just a, a, a quotation here. Um, those of you who know me will know that I, I, I really value certain specific people, teachings, and so on. And one of the people that I, I value as a, actually as an apostle and someone who's had a huge impact worldwide is, is a chap by the name of Bill Johnson. You'll know his book, God is Good. And from that, he says this. He, the Spirit, is in us, in you and in me, as a river to impact the spiritual geography around us. Think of Cookmerhaven or something like that, and what a river does. He, the Spirit, lives in us, but he wants out. He's in us as a river, not a lake. He is a flowing presence, carrying the heart of Father, desiring to saturate the land with the works of Jesus. I love that idea. That if we put our hearts with Father's heart, if we're operating in his love, his Holy Spirit in us will change us in such a way that it will overflow from us and will have an impact on the people and the places that we go around us. I think that's amazing. It's a wonderful thing that God wants us to do that. So, just in closing, this Father's Day, who's your daddy? Do you know who your dad really is? I encourage you today, get to know him a bit better. This week, get to know him a bit better. Will you commit to being his child? We read in Proverbs, submit to him. We've got to commit to being child, childlike. Jesus said, those that are childlike are the ones that will enter the kingdom. We need to be childlike before our daddy. Do you know what? It's so arrogant of us to think that we can tell God what to do or that we are bigger than being simply his children. He is the one who created the entire universe and made us. Oh, if we and okay, maybe I'm maybe it's only me, but there are times I pray and think, God, this is the way it should be because I know how it's, what's best, and I don't. He does, so we need to submit ourselves, commit to being His child, and then thirdly, will you give yourself to this relationship of seeing Father as your Father and you as His child to live out that life that He's called you to live, that He's called me to live. A life that expresses him, not because we want to gain his favour, but because we've already got it. Not because we want his grace, but because we've already got it. Not because we want his love, but because we know he loves us. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people, in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.